Thank you so much, Eleanor. What a special time together already. Um, how are you doing? I hope that you are well. It's lovely to be speaking um, with you this morning. This morning, I'm going to be looking in Philippians, uh, back in Philippians where Thomas started last week in chapter one. So please join me if you haven't got your Bibles open already. Why don't you grab them and uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter one. And I'm going to read from 27 to 30. It says there, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Amazing. Wonderful. So as we look at these few verses this morning, I want to explore the instructions that Paul gives in this letter under three titles. Um, firstly... In verse 27, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. So Paul writes this letter, while in chains, doesn't he, in prison, Philippi was a Roman colony, a title seen as one of the coveted prizes of the Roman Empire. Colonial status meant that people of Philippi were reckoned as Roman citizens. Their names were on the rolls of Rome itself. And you see, with grace as well, they were heirs and citizens of heaven as well. So I've got some props with me this morning. We've gone all out with props. I wonder if you can tell me, if anyone can tell me what this is. Um, it is, you might have had the shoes on you, um, it is a tourniquet, uh, yes, well done to those of you who got it. Um, it is used to apply pressure to the arm um, when you are in getting samples from the doctor or if you're a doctor or a nurse, you might know what this is and you've used it as well many a time. Um, so most of you know that I'm a nurse part-time and part of that job, well the main thing I do, is to assess people and make sure that they are fit for an operation. And part of that is to make sure that all their blood results are up to date. So we have to check on the computer and make sure that they're all up to date. And if they're not up to date, then we need to use this and we need to get more samples. Now, we've been having a bit of banter recently um, with one of my friends and colleagues at work. And me and her team up. Sometimes um, it's not as easy and straightforward. You can't just go in alone. You need a bit of backup. So sometimes if she's having a bit of trouble, she'll come out and ask for her partner in crime. And together we will go in and we will have a bit of banter with the patient and manage to help each other if it's a really difficult patient to get blood from. So that is what we use um, to do that. And together as we've been doing it, um, we've been chatting and distracting the patient. I can give her a little look and she knows what I mean before I even ask for it. She knows what I need because we're working closely together. But just at that crucial moment, just um, when we are about to get the sample, she says um, in a big loud voice, nobody move an inch. And the patient 
doesn't even breathe. Sometimes she says it in such a way that the poor patient is holding on for dear life and we have to remind them to breathe. So I, we've joked about it since, but she still says it because she knows the struggle. She has just been there herself. And she knows that if that patient was to move, even just a fraction, um, then it would blow, the vein would blow, we'd be back to square one, and we'd probably have to ask a GP like Gordon to take the blood for us, and we'd have to send them off, and he doesn't want that, he wants us to get it. So we have to stay still, and she announces, nobody move an inch. Um, and that's what we have to do. And sometimes the patient will even say, oh, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. I can't see anything. It's hopeless. You may as well give up now. And we begin to doubt ourselves that there's anything there. Perhaps they are just made of stone. <laughs> but sometimes, even when we don't see it, if we felt it, we have to trust that it is there and that we can get the sample. And um, bingo, success. Everyone is happy. So Philippi was a difficult place. Paul knew the struggle firsthand. He said earlier in verse 15, people were stirring up trouble for him. Even while he was in chains, they were stirring up trouble for him. He knew the struggle. And that is why he insisted that they stand firm in their faith and in one spirit. In the Holy Spirit, that is. The Holy Spirit that we have as believers living inside of us. So he knew when it's more difficult, it's even more important that we stay in place. We stay in faith. And what Paul is not saying is to stand firm on your personal opinions. Sometimes we can get so caught up, can't we, about being right that it doesn't really matter. And we forget the main point that actually we're to stand in his righteousness and to agree on the one spirit that joins us together as believers. This year, it's been really tough, immensely tough, hasn't it? For many reasons, and for all of us, we'll have our own story to tell about how we've faced different pressures, different stretches, just like the tourniquet applies pressure and stretch. And at times, for some of us, the stretch has felt overwhelming as we face disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And if we're honest, we felt battered, we felt bruised, we felt the effects of the storm. Which is completely normal in this circumstance and to be expected the way things have been. But it can be so tempting in this season to move our position, to move our position just a fraction, to make a wrong move, to fall into bad habits, to compromise. So when the stretch comes, let me encourage you, even when we are missing loved ones, when the stretch comes, when the pressure comes, we stay standing. I feel this is a Lord, a word from the Lord this morning. When it comes to standing firm in our faith, the Lord would say, do not move. Do not move an inch. Do not give the enemy an inch because he will take a mile. 
Even when we are missing loved ones, even when our jobs are under threat, even when we're missing being together as a church, we stand firm. Even when we want to throw in the towel, even when for Paul, he was in chains, he stood firm in his faith. So can I urge you this morning, do not move an inch. Do not move in your hopes for the future. Do not move in your God-given destiny. Do not move in your position of worship, even in this season. I recently heard someone explain the difference between being robust and being resilient. And I loved it. So let me share it with you this morning. Think of the pyramids in Egypt. They're amazing, aren't they? People travel from all over the world to come and see them. They're impressive man-made structures. They're robust. Now think of a forest, a rainforest perhaps. All these trees standing strong together. They are resilient. You see, if a bomb was to hit both of these things, a pyramid would be wiped out and never seen again. Whereas a forest could regrow, could draw on the roots, could draw on the, on the goodness and the reserve that was once there and rebuild itself. So we are to be a resilient people. We are to be resilient. When we are knocked down, when we are battered, when we are bruised, we get back up. Don't give up. And to stand firm and remain steadfast, it requires connection and unity. So that leads me on to my second point, if you're taking notes, <laughs> which is in this together. It's a phrase that we've heard since the beginning of lockdown, isn't it? Um, and I quite like it. We're all in this together. It was quite comforting, wasn't it? That we're all going through the same struggle together. We're all waiting together. And it's interesting that Humanity longs for this connection. It longs for us to be together, um, relating to one another, and looking forward with hope, um, waiting and longing, hoping and praying for brighter days ahead. And I don't think there's been a time in history where we've, the world has been more united. Well, in my lifetime anyway, <laughs> um, there's not been a time when the, we've all been as united as one, waiting and watching. And this week, I watched on the news as the first truck um, appeared in the UK with the vaccine. Hooray, we have hope. We have good news, the long-awaited vaccine. And this same week, we also put up our Christmas tree, as many others have as well, I'm sure. Um, anyone else? Yes, are you sitting with your trees? Um, I also wrapped my first present. Um, I'm feeling a lot better about that. I ate my first mince pie of the season, and I dug out all the Christmas jumpers, which I didn't realize we had quite a collection of. Um, meanwhile, Thomas raged war with his fairy-like collection, um, which is growing by the hour, and he has very kindly donated us some for the office. So thank you, love, for them. They are looking great, I hope. <laughs> um, he loves a fairy light, if you know him. Um, yeah, so the second part of verse 27 says, 
we are to be striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. So striving, it's a doing word, isn't it? Moving towards the goal for the faith. And if 2020 has taught us anything, it is that the church is not about the building. But indeed, it's about us, the people, isn't it? We are the church. Believers together, we are to be united. Not only together in this church, but with all other churches and believers. United in one spirit. Paul was witness to the disunity in Philippi. He said earlier, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. He knew that there was discord. That even though the gospel was being preached, it could have been so much better if they had agreed on uh, being in one spirit. It's a bit like this Lego piece here. Um, it's nice, isn't it? It's a nice little Lego piece. It's got some sharp edges and some notches on the top. It's a nice color. You could sit it on a shelf, but it's not really designed to just sit on its own, is it? And if you gave this to somebody, they would be a bit perplexed as to what they could do with it. What could I do with one Lego piece? I need more than one Lego piece. It's not designed to be on its own. Even, even my kids will know that. But I've got one hand here. I'm going to try my best. <laughs> when we, and I'll balance it on my knee, join it together. I built this myself. I hope you can appreciate this. <laughs> when we join it together, we can make a creation. One of our boys, they love to make creations with Lego. They go off and make their own wee creations. We can build with it, though, when we have more than one piece, don't we? And it's made to be with others. It's made to be with others, not on its own. Just like that picture of the pyramids and the forest. The forest, it's, the trees are surrounded by one another. They're not on their own, so that when the storms of life come and hit, they can protect and shield one another. Similarly, with the church, we are to be together, united, so that when the storms of life come, we are there for one another. We help one another. How do we do that? We pray for one another. Just like Paul said, every time I think of you, every time I remember you, I pray for you. We stay tuned. We stay connected, whether that's online church or whatever it is just now. We attend small group. We keep attending small group. Or we join a small group. Perhaps um, you haven't been part of a small group. We'd love for you um, to get in touch or to join one of the small groups. They would love to see you. And to stay in contact. It's more important than ever in this season to stay in touch. Normally on a Sunday we would see each other, wouldn't we? We would see who maybe hadn't been there. We would see who was struggling and maybe needed a little phone call or a pick-me-up. So let me urge you, can I encourage you, if you haven't seen anyone in a while or God just lays someone on your heart, pray for them or pick up the phone or send them a message. Perhaps you can go for a walk um, or perhaps you can go for a hot chocolate and catch up and just ask how they're doing. It's really important just now. Or perhaps you're feeling like that one brick. I don't know if I can disconnect it now. 
Perhaps you're feeling like you're that one brick out on its own. You're feeling isolated. Perhaps you're putting yourself on the shelf all alone. Don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself just now. Don't do it alone. Come for fellowship. Come and join in. Come and be unified. Reach out. Ask someone for help this week. And as churches as well, together we are to be united. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Church, once put it like this when he was speaking about unity among the denominations. He said, we are all vegetables in the same stew. And I love that. We all bring a different flavor. And we all are working towards the same goal, to bring people into the safe arms of Jesus. And we're so excited on the 20th um, of this month, we're actually having, there's going to be a joint service um, of Inverness, of all the churches coming together, um, and that's going to be shared out. We'll give more details. It's going to be an evening service on the 20th. But isn't that wonderful that we can join together, especially at this time? We hope um, that you'll join us for that too. But it's never been more important that we stand firm together, united in one spirit. And when we do that, when we put our differences aside and focus on what is important, and focus on um, what we have in common, the spirit in us, that is when the world looks at us and sees something different. That is when the world looks and says, wow, look at that. They have put their differences aside. They support each other. In spite of their circumstances, they stand together. That is our calling. And thirdly, Paul says, without being frightened. It's a wonderful time of the year when we get to look back at that passage in Luke um, when an angel appeared to Mary and he said, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And I love Mary's response later. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I love that. Fear, it's a real thing, isn't it? And if we let it, it can be contagious. It can be toxic. And it can lead to destruction. I wonder what you're afraid of this morning. If I was to ask you that question, what is it that you fear? Because in the end, fear will hold us back. Fear will stop us taking kingdom opportunities, stop us taking ground. In isolation, on our own, the enemy takes ground. He whispers and the whisper becomes a louder voice and a louder voice and a louder voice before we are crippled to the point that we don't want to be around others. But together, when we have others around us, we can say, I've seen him do it for me and he can do it for you. He's moved mountains in my life and he can move them in yours. If we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. And in um, 
Dr. Stanley Jones, I don't know who that is, but I like what he said. <laughs> he said um, this, I am inwardly, inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. Fear is not my native land, faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath. This is not my native air. But in faith and confidence, I believe freely and I breathe. This is my native air. A John Hopkins University doctor says, we do not know why it is that worriers die sooner than the non-worriers, but it is a fact. However, I who am simple of mind think I know. We are inwardly constructed in nerve and tissue, brain, cell and soul for faith and not fear. God made us that way. To live by worry is to live against reality. So Paul said, do not be frightened. We must have our roots planted so deep in him that we can stand firm together. And he gives us wings of faith so that we can have freedom. In faith, we have freedom. It turns our I can't into I can with him by my side. It turns our I won't into I will as long as he is with me. I'll never, it turns into with God, all things are possible. We have faith. Let's be a people of faith. Amen.